Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, if you want to follow along, we're going to be, uh, just let's start off in Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, if you want to follow along. Um, The third and final part of a three-part series that we've been doing called Getting the Most Out of Life. And what I've used as a basis for these uh, sermons is obscure people in the Bible, like people you've probably never heard of. I mean, I know people that's read the Bible. They came up and they said, I've read the Bible five times, and I don't remember, you know, this. And they're, they're obscure people. But just because they're obscure people in the Bible doesn't mean that we can't learn big things because they're in there for a reason. Now, I've been telling y'all a story about uh, working on the Rockerby Ranch outside of Big Lake, Texas, after I graduated from high school. And to, I, I'm not going to go into the whole long story, but let me give you a synopsis if you haven't been here. Um, basically. I was supposed to flank my dad and gather this part of the pasture, but whenever I got over to the draw that I was supposed to drop down into, I looked over there at the windmill where we were going to end up, and all the cattle were already there. And, but they were starting to drift back where we had already gathered, so we were going to lose them all. So I made an executive decision not to do what my dad told me to, <laughs> go down there and keep all the cattle there. And I was very, very successful at it. But I was nervous because I did not do what my dad told me to. And when he got there, not pleasant. It was not pleasant at all. You know, uh, he walked up to me and he goes, were you flanking me? And I said, yes, sir. Or were you supposed to be flanking me? I said, yes, sir. And he said, "Uh, did you cover your part of the path? And I said, no, sir. And he just lit me and just chewed me out in front of all the other cowboys. I was embarrassed, everything. And so once, once Kevin was getting done chewed out, we got the cattle moving. We took them to the set of pins. And when we got to the pins, uh, the cow boss ben had seen me holding because He was at the windmill with a siren calling him in with some cake. And... Um, he told my dad, he's like, Paul, why don't you get, tie your horse up over there, and why don't you get in the truck with me, and we'll go get all everybody's trucks and trailers and bring them over here so, y'all, so they don't have to ride back, which was great with me because my dad wasn't going to be, uh, I didn't want to have those, you know, eyes, and he was mad. And so Jim had took my dad, got through working cattle, and right as we got done doing everything we were going to do, they pulled up with the last truck and trailer. And my dad starts walking over to me. I just pulled a bologna sandwich out, and we're all sitting there. And he comes, I was like, oh, great, he's going to chew me out again. He walks up to me in front of everybody, and he said, and he said, yeah. He said, Jim Ed told me that you can cattle from running off. Jim Ed said, you did an amazing job. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, son, why didn't you? And I said, you never asked. You never asked. That was a big, this whole story was a big, was my first job as a paid employee, full-time ranch hand on a huge ranch. Big moment for me. I'm a paid employee and I'm working with my dad, which is 
most of the time amazing. But I knew when I went to keep those cattle from running off, I knew I was going to get in trouble. I knew me at least for a little while. But it still didn't mean that it wasn't a big moment for me. And to have my dad say what he did walking up in front of everybody, because he could have waited till it was just me and him, and then he could have talked to me. But no, he walked right and he said, heard you kept all the cattle from running off. Because the other cowboys didn't know. All they knew is we all, and I started getting my butt chewed. So this whole thing was a big moment for me. I want to get the most out of life. That's what we've been talking about for three weeks now, is getting the most out of life. You have to be ready when your big moment comes. Are you ready? Are you prepared for your big moment? When your big moment comes, you need to be ready. Just like Anna. We a couple of verses about a woman named Anna, and she was a prophet. Now, she was only one of six or seven, I, I can't remember, six or seven women listed in the Bible as a prophet, and Anna was one of them. Let me tell you her story right quick. Her story was, <laughs> in Jesus' day, they did things just a tad bit different. For example, most women were married at the age of 13. So Anna was probably married at the seven years later, her husband dies. It doesn't say how, but she was a widow after seven years. When Anna comes into this story, she is 84 years old, and she had spent every single day for four years worshiping God in the temple. 64 years, every single day, she went in and uh, God, one day, one day, named Joseph, a woman named Mary, showed to God's law, where you, if, if when you have a kid, you dedicate him at the temple, and especially if it's a male firstborn, all that, they show up at the temple, and Anna gets to see God's one and only son. In Luke chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, and I'll be reading it out of the Simplified Cowboy Version, it says this, Anna was always back and worshiping the Bible. So sure enough, she was there when Mary and Joseph came in with Jesus, praised God, and told everyone there about Jesus and what he was going to do to free Jerusalem. Are you ready for your big moment? This was Anna's big moment. And you know what it took? It took 64 years, a husband dying from God, and God rewarded her faithfulness by letting her hold his son. Man, that's amazing. I think that we all have big moments, but are you prepared right now for a big moment? I don't think that a lot of us can fathom worship God for 64 years, three single day for 64 years because we live in an instant gratification world, don't we? I mean, it's kind of like the J.G. Wentworth commercials, right? Uh, it's my me and I want it now, right? I mean, we, we don't want to cook, so we drive through somewhere and have somebody cook us food that we shouldn't be eating anyway, probably. 
but we live in an instant gratification world. And I'm sorry, but Christianity is not an instant gratification type of, of life. Um, we have to learn to wait on the Lord. That's what Anna did. She waited. And I don't even think, I don't think God told her, hey, my son's going to be coming in. She was only doing it because she loved God, but she got rewarded for it. And this was her. Waiting on the Lord, though, is a superpower, right? I mean, that, the Bible says many times, wait on the Lord. But we don't do that very well, okay? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about patience. I don't think we need to talk about patience because everybody in here is, has already mastered patience. Y'all don't have any trouble, you know, with anything like that. So, but I'm not talking about having patience. I'm talking about having hope. About, you know, patience is waiting on something you know is going to happen. You know, I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to be patient because next Sunday after church, I'm going to Texas. I know what I'm going to do next, God willing. And so I have to be patient until then. I'm not talking about being prepared for something you know. I'm talking about having hope that God's going to bring you a big moment. You won't know what it is. Anna didn't know what it was until the day she got there. But hope is knowing that God loves you and will give you all that you need, whether you know what it is or not. That's hope. So how do we get ready for our big moment? I firmly believe that God has a plan for each of our lives. And if you don't do, God will always do his part. If you fall away and you don't do it, you're not going to wreck anything, okay? You're not that powerful, okay? Believe that there's a big moment waiting on all of you. Will you be prepared for that? Now, Maybe it is 64 years that you're going to have to worship God every single day for 64 years. But I've come to, I kind of come to figure out, you know, when Jesus did his miracles, he never did it the same way. Like he healed the blind and, you know, one time he spit in the dirt, made spitballs and put it on the guy's eyes. And another time he just said, you know, you can see now and laid his hands on. He healed a dead by sticking his fingers in his ears, right? I mean, it's weird, but I think he never did it the same way to show that it's not the act that does it, it's him that does it. So how do we get closer to God? That's what we have to do to get ready moment. You have to be close to God. How do we get closer to God? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a thousand different ways. I won't bore you with a thousand different ways. I think the main things that will get us closer to God is by learning just truly, truly, truly. Oh, I, I, you know, I love God. I love God. Oh, yeah, I, I love you, God. No, prove it by the way you live your life. Love God. And one of the main ways you can love God is by loving others. Is by loving others. When you start loving God, you'll grow closer to Him. Something else that you, is learn to trust in His goodness even when you don't know what it is. Listen. We all have bad things that happen to us and scary things and, you know, bad things happen because we live in a sinful world. This is not heaven. But we have to understand that God is good even when we don't understand what's going on. That will get you closer to God. This is probably the hardest. You want to get closer to God? You're going to have to do what God says. 
You're going to be a legalistic type person because that's not growing closer to God. But we need to obey God. And, and this is probably a really cruddy analogy. But, you know, I, I think that we live a junk food life. I mean, that's all we want. We want, you know, cheese. That's just me. That's not, not y'all. That's me. Um, but, you know, we live on stuff that is no good for us, right? It, it's no good for us. But God wants what's best for us to do things. Yeah, they may not be as, yeah, broccoli does not taste anything like Cheetos, but broccoli's better for you than the Cheetos is. And a lot of times we have to understand that we need to do what God tells us to do because close to Him. And what He tells us to do brings us closer to Him. We need to learn to obey. Learn to obey. And you say, well, ob- obey what? You know, are, are we going to get legalistic? Man, you know what? The Bible, over and over, Jesus' most, aw- or God's most often repeated is, don't be afraid. You know, you, you've probably heard it said that, that oh, the Bible says do not, do not be 365 times in the Bible. One, listen, I'm sorry to tell you all this, but <laughs> that's not true. It's nice sentiment. But it is not true. It is not true at all. Um, I think it's like 87 times, something like that. A scholar went and tried to count how many said, do not be afraid in some form or fashion. And I think one guy found it like 80 times. Another guy said like 110. But it, that's not true. But it doesn't change the fact that God says do not be afraid. So when we say obey God, man, your life would change dramatically if you would just obey that one thing. Don't be afraid. Come back and watch this for myself with some of the stuff that I'm going through. Not Twinkie. Love Him. Love others. That'll get you closer to God. Trust in His goodness. That will bring you closer. But if He says to do it, do it. And I love what Alistair Begg says, the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things, okay? Make, do what Anna did. Make worship the number priority. Worship, your number one priority. You want to get closer to God, you're going to have to make worship your number priority. And finally, if you want to grow closer to God, you need to do what Jabez did. You need to do what Jabez did. As in one verse in the Bible. Okay? And he is no great big prayer. The prayer of Jabez. In 1 Chronicles 4.10, this is what it says. Upon the God of it, bless me and enlarge my and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. That's it. And it's in the Bible. But it's this that it just is amazing. It gives me chills. Because the Bible then says, and God granted what Jabez. I mean, do you do big prayers or... It's like, uh, you know, like, like a commercial. You just say the same thing every time, you know, God, do and keep everybody safe. Man, when's the last time you prayed a big prayer? A big prayer. I have a prayer of Jabez. It is still coming true. 
a big, and y'all are a part of it. Each and every one of you are. The was save the cowboy. It was save the cowboy. When I felt the come up here, and I'm not going to get, we'll do that some other time. But when I came up here, I prayed a big prayer, and this was my big prayer. I said, God, I need a place to put my family to live. I need a place where we can hold a church service and a place to run cattle because I don't want to be that's just in boy hats. I want to be authentic, and I want to use this lifestyle to spread the good news, and I want to feed hungry people. And I don't even, you can't even make a living nowadays ranching when you sell cattle, much less when you give them all away, right? God is still coming through. You need big prayers. But there's the reason that you need big prayers is because big prayers will force you to do some things. Okay? First thing that a big prayer. You're going to have to grow into being able to receive prayer. So I'm mean, so much. I mean, I have people come all the time. I've grown much because of your sermons. I've grown so much because of y'all's prayers. Because y'all come here. Y'all are an each and every one of you are an answer to my prayers, and we have all gathered to do some pretty amazing things. I mean, I'm I'm God's the cowboy, and each and every one of you are a part of it. Save the cowboy is the largest independent. Nobody else is out there doing what I'm talking to my new friends this morning. They're like, oh yeah, there's nothing like you. I was like, for better or worse, there's nothing like Save the Cowboy out there. But a big prayer will make you grow. A big prayer will make you trust in God. And you know why you need big prayer in your life? You ever prayed for something like, let, let's say this, uh, let me think of something. Uh, you, you pray, uh, God, keep me safe today. Well, today, did you thank God for your answered prayer? Probably not. not. When you pray a big prayer, and when God answers, there's zero doubt that it, you had nothing to do with it. I didn't have anything to do with the success of Save the Cowboy. It has been all God and our mutual efforts, right? Through God. With God. A big prayer so that when it's answered, there's a, not a shadow of a doubt that God was the only one that could make your prayer come true. Don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to pray for small things, too. I think most people are good at one or the other, but, not, but I think that we really do need both. Grow trust and be able to see that it was God that answered him. Pray such big prayers that there's not a shadow of a doubt. And if you put those three things together, I'll have the most out of life. Just like Ittai. Ittai, get tight. I have no idea what that means. Okay? But Ittai is the leader of a group of 600 fighting men. And they're not from Israel. Israel. But Ittai and his 600 go to serve David, and by doing so, serve God. Only one problem. When they get there, David's son is overthrowing David, the king. He's got an army amassed. 
And they're going to come in. They're coming to Jerusalem to kill David so that Absalom will be the king. And David's walking out with his family, his son. He doesn't want to kill his son. He's like, I'll just leave. So he's leaving and he runs into Ittai. And Ittai's like, hey, dude, we came to see you. And David's like, bad news. The good news is you've seen me. The bad news is I'm getting out of here and y'all should too. Ittai wins the distinction for the most lo- in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 21. This is what Ittai says to David. I vow by the Lord and by your own life, I will go wherever my Lord the King goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. Just met him. He's like, I got 600 people here. We're with you, David. We're with you. You know, if you want to get the most out of life, you got to do what Ittai did. You got to believe in something bigger than yourself. Because when you make yourself the biggest thing in your life, you will not, and you will be willing to give your life to something bigger than yourself, a life or death. You will. That means that you're going to have to have your priorities in line. How are your priorities, by the way? Are you proud of your priorities? I still mess up all the time. I want to say that God is my priority, but sometimes He's not. I want to be. That's a mistake on my part. But if we want to get the most out of our life, we have to priorities in line. And Jabez had his priorities in line. Ittai had priorities in line. And you know what else you'll have to do? You'll have to leave a lot of things that used to be a priority behind. Now, there, there's my, my, one of my favorite books that is not the Bible. It is not a Christian book whatsoever, but it's still one of my favorite books by Mark Manson, and it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Beep. Love it. But it's not, it, the, the title is like shock. It just makes, oh my gosh, he's telling us. What he tells in that bet, you can't care about 500,000 things. You're just not capable of it. He spends an entire book telling you, find something that you are so passionate about and make that your number one priority and you will be able to make a difference. That's what he says. Have to, and Mark Manson in his book says, You'll have to leave a lot of things behind that you used to think. Gotta get your priorities on yourself over to something bigger than yourself and be that loyal. You're gonna have to leave behind some things that you used to think were real important, but now you realize that they're not. You can't do a hundred different things. Okay? It's not possible. Be loyal to God, like it's most out of life. Standing in that circle with a bunch of cowboys eating bologna sandwiches. Dad walked up and he said, why didn't you tell me the cattle, you kept all the cattle from running off? And I looked at him and I said, Dad, you didn't ask. He did something. Moment right here. Because you know, ask, counting today, three Sundays, I kind of made my dad out to be a jerk. My dad's not. Yeah, he chewed me out in front of a lot of people. But you know what? People that he basically... But you know, 
he walked into that same circle of cowboys. And he said he was sorry. And he hugged me. That's a man right there. That's a man. Yeah, Sundays. But it was to set this up right here. Because my dad taught okay to be wrong every once in a while, as long and mean it. And I think that is as good at that type of stuff. But you know what? So much more respect for my dad, not because he chewed me out, but because he, all of his friends, his coworkers, and he hugged his son and told him I was, said, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And hugged me. Getting the most out of life, guys. That's getting the most out of life. It's not the only thing that I love about my dad. But it's one of the things that has made me who I am today. I am never afraid. If I've wronged any of y'all, I apologize. I apologize. And if I have, I'll hug you and I'll tell you about it. Because you know what? I want to get the most out of life. And part of that, loving ourselves and loving and never be afraid to say, I'm sorry. Let's go to God in prayer. You love us with the kind of love that we can't even fathom. We can't even understand it. You are always there leading us to be better and closer to you. I know you want us to get the most out of life, God. And the only, the only true way of doing that is by following you. God, help us up and love us even when we don't deserve it. And then I thank you for loving us. And you know what? We love you too. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.